The Steve Lobby Agency presents The Christian Publishing Show, a podcast for writers who want to advance Christ's kingdom using the written word. Here's your host, Thomas Umstadt Jr. We have a special treat for you today. This is a longer episode than normal because it is the audio of a webinar that I did with Steve Lobby and James L. Rubart, all about book launching, and specifically to promote the Book Launch Blueprint, which registration ends this Friday on April 9th, 2021. So there's still time if you want to sign up for the Book Launch Blueprint. But regardless, I think you're really going to enjoy this overview of the book launch process. And then at the end, there's an extended uh, question and answer time where Steve Lobby, James L. Rubart, and I answer questions from readers like you. Enjoy. Well, welcome, everybody. I'm so glad to have you here. Uh, it's a uh, it's great to have so many people, literally from all over the world. Uh, apparently, we have folks from uh, nearly every continent, other than Antarctica, uh, uh, online already, which is very exciting. Uh, I'm looking forward to having this time, especially to hear from Thomas Umstead Jr. I've known Thomas for many years, and he is one of the sharpest and smartest guys especially when it comes to marketing books and how to get your books out there. He stays literally on the cutting edge of all the various technologies that uh, that come out, that are tested and true. And I think you'll enjoy hearing what he has to say because let me tell you, my friends, if you don't launch your book effectively, no one will ever hear about it. And so... Have at it, Herr Thomas. Thank you, Steve. I'd like to open with a story. One summer day, a grasshopper danced and played while the ants on the other side of the field were hard at work storing up food for the winter. The grasshopper invited the ants to play. And the ants said, we don't have time to play. We have to prepare for the winter, and so should you. And the grasshopper said, stop worrying so much. There's plenty of both food and time to prepare for winter. Let's enjoy life, the grasshopper responded. The ants just ignored him and got back to work storing up food. Well, winter came earlier that year than expected, and soon all the food was gone. And the grasshopper found himself without anything to eat, so he went to the ants' house and begged them for food. I'm sorry, we can't help you, the ants responded. We don't have enough food to feed a creature as big as you, and if we tried, we wouldn't have food ourselves. I should have followed the ant's example in the summer. I would have been happy now, the grasshopper thought sadly as he starved to death. <laughs> the moral of this Aesop fable is prepare now for the challenges to come. And I love how um, real all the old fables and stories are. So why do a book launch? Well, Steve gave it away a little bit. <clears throat> But uh, book launching is one of those strategies that is really important. And it's important uh, to start way ahead of time. The months leading up to your book coming out are some of the most important months for determining how well your book will spread. You've either done the work to prepare for winter or you haven't. So, and it does take time. You can't just dance and play your way to publishing success. You can't finish writing your book and then publish it the next day on KDP and expect to have a strong launch. And you can't just, you know, sit down and enjoy your advance expecting your publisher to prepare a strong launch for you. You've got to do the work. The stronger your launch, the bigger the snowball is that you're throwing off the top of the uh, mountain. And the bigger the snowball, 
the more likely you are to trigger an avalanche. Or put another way, books without good launches are quarantined in the social circle of the author. And quarantine comes from the Italian word quarenta, which is uh, 40. So ships in the 1300s were sometimes planed, uh, placed under isolation for quarenta days to make sure the ship had no plague on it. And so if you don't want your story to be quarantined into your social circle, the bubble that you live in, you've got to have a strong launch because it's really easy for books never to escape the bubble of the author. In fact, uh, Steve and I were just talking about an author who lived outside of the United States right before we went live. And that author was unable to break outside of the author's bubble and only sold a handful of copies in the United States because their bubble was in another country. So I've learned a lot about uh, launches over the years. I was the marketing director for Enclave Publishing, where I helped plan book launches. I was a literary agent with a literary agency known as the Steve Lobby Agency. You may have heard of it. <clears throat> and uh, as an agent, I sat in on a bunch of book launch planning calls. I felt like that was all I did <laughs> for a long time, um, where I would listen to the author and the publisher talk about their plan for the launch or the marketing team from the publisher. And I will say, it really impresses the uh, marketing team from the publisher when you come with having done work to put together a plan ahead of time. Oh, and I also host Novel Marketing, which is the longest running book marketing podcast in the world, where I get to talk with a lot of the top experts on very specific areas. And I want to distinguish between a book launch and platform. We talk a lot about platform, and you've probably heard Steve talking about platform. You've heard me talking about platform. The larger your platform the larger of a launch you can have. And so there is a lot to be said about putting together the work to build a platform ahead of time. But regardless of the size of your platform, you can have a strong launch, even from a small platform. It helps to have a large platform. But these days, you know, kids can put an iPhone into space uh, from a very small uh, rocket, and you can do the same from a very small platform. It's harder, though. <laughs> so, don't hear me say that you don't need a platform. But even more importantly, good launches help bad books fail faster. With a massive platform, you can get everyone to know that they hate your book very quickly. <laughs> so uh, this is not going to fix a bad book. So uh, most of what you read about on the Steve Lobby blog and most of what we talk about on the Christian Publishing Show is craft-related topics, and that's for a reason. You've got to have the craft first. You have to have written a good book. Otherwise, a, bad a good launch is just going to hurt you, frankly, uh, and you don't want that. So with all of that said, let's talk about book launch secrets. The first book launch secret is you don't actually need a book launch for your book to succeed. There are other methods, other ways of doing it. The first is to spend $10,000 on advertising. This is more of an indie strategy, but I know indies who, independent authors, who don't put a lot of effort into doing a book launch and in instead they budget on spending $10,000, $20,000 advertising their book. This method does not work well for first-time authors. And it also uh, only works well, really, for authors who are already profitably advertising. If you've never done ads for your book, if you're traditionally published and you don't have access to your sales data, this method's not going to work for you. Uh, another method that works uh, well uh, or can work well is rapid release. Uh, and this is, again, another strategy. It's popular with indies. Uh, and it's when um, you release a book every month or two months to an audience who already wants to read your books. Now, 
uh, a mistake some authors make is they see successful authors rapid releasing. And they're like, ooh, that means I can rapid release. <laughs> it's like, no, to rapid release, you need to already have a large tribe of fans who are ready to buy your book right away. And you need to be able to rapidly write. If you can't write a book in a few months, the rapid release strategy is not going to work for you. This is like seeing that everyone uh, on the news is wearing a silk tie. And if you get a silk tie, you can be on the news too. It's like, no, causation is not correlation. And rapid release is a very risky strategy because if you do it without having a big tribe of readers already, uh, you can do all of the work to write three books only to have three books fail. When if you had done launches, each book would have led to a bigger launch for the next book and you'd have had a really big following by the time you do your third book. And then the third method is to get lucky. <clears throat> I think it was Tom Clancy, uh, who was you know kind of an unknown author. He'd had some success, but he wasn't super famous. And then President Ronald Reagan held up one of his books in a press conference. And suddenly, everyone knew who Tom Clancy was. <laughs> everyone wanted to read a Tom Clancy book. Tom Clancy became uh, the next big thing. And that was, he just got lucky, right? You, you never know when a president or Oprah or some famous person is going to hold up your book and talk about it. But getting lucky is not a strategy. I don't know how to teach you how to have someone famous recommend your book. Even being friends with a famous person does not guarantee that they're going to promote your book or do it in a way that helps you win. So don't take advice from lottery winners on how to win the lottery. <laughs> this is not a good way to have uh, success. The reality is most books need a book launch. Um, and the reason why book launches are so popular and why pretty much all traditional books use this strategy and most successful indie books use this strategy is because it relies on very solid marketing fundamentals. It's not a fad. It's not a trend. It's something that worked 20 years ago. It's something that worked 100 years ago. And it's something that will work 20 years from now because it's based off of human psychology. And while the technology changes, the humans do not change. <laughs> uh, have you seen something new? Really, it is old. There's nothing new under the sun. So uh, if you're traditionally published, one of the reasons why book launches are so important is because bookstores only stock your book for 30, maybe 90 days, depending on how sophisticated they are. Uh, and if you can't sell out of your stock uh, in those first months, uh, the bookstore will return your book to the publisher. And if a publisher gets too many returns on a book, it gives up on the book and the book dies. And this happens to a lot of books where Everyone's excited. There's lots of initial sales or what look like sales, but those sales are on consignment. And if they don't actually sell to a reader, if there's not a good launch to bring those readers into the store, the books are returned. On the flip side, maybe you're new. Maybe there's not a lot of demand and bookstores aren't ordering very many copies of your book. But if you can get a lot of people walking into bookstores asking for your copy, if the two uh, copies of your book that they put on the shelf sell out right away and people are asking for more, well, they're not going to return the books. There's no books to return. They're going to order more books. And you keep doing this and you keep selling out. Eventually, they aren't just going to put you on the shelf. They're going to face you out, cover out on the bookshelf, which is ultimately the placement that you want, that you want them ordering so many copies of your book that they put it face out rather than spine out. And this is also important for indies, I will say, uh, but for a different reason. And the reason why it's important for indies is that the number of ratings a book has is critical. And while you have that new release badge, people are willing to take a risk on a book without a lot of ratings. But once you um, lose that badge and you only have seven ratings or 10 ratings 
or 20 ratings, that's not a lot. <laughs> People will start to be suspicious. They'll get scared off. Uh, and a lot of authors really focus on the number of stars, whereas readers tend to focus on the number of ratings. It's really important to get as many ratings as possible. So how do you get a lot of ratings quickly? A strong book launch. <laughs> book launches work, and they can work for you. Second secret, and we've alluded to this already, is that good book launches take time to prepare. If you're traditionally published, you have no choice but to wait. There's a typically nine-month, sometimes more, uh, waiting time between when you turn in your draft of your book and when the book appears in the bookstore shelves. And a lot of traditional authors sit on their hands during those nine months, and then they're surprised that their book launch went off with a whimper. It's like, no, if you want to have a parade, you got to get all the floats lined up ahead of time. Otherwise, they just get lost in the traffic. There's a lot of weird cars out there. And if you don't have all of the floats going back to back, it's not a parade. And it's if you don't have all of the promotion activities scheduled to happen in a tight window, it's not a launch. Uh, and this is a mistake I see a lot of indies make their first time is that they um, launch their book too soon. Uh, as soon as the book is ready, they're so excited. They've been working for years to get their book uh, finished. And as soon as it's finished, as soon as it's edited, they click publish and their book is out. And they don't realize that something special happens when you have a brand new book. People give you more attention. It's easier to get media and it takes time to make that happen. <laughs> and pretty soon their book is old and they never got it the attention that it deserves. Just because a baby can be born at six months uh, doesn't mean that that's the best time for a baby to be born. And sometimes it takes patience to let the anticipation build. And if you're willing to let that anticipation build, you'll sell a lot more copies. Uh, book launching is a lot like farming. It takes time for crops to grow. It takes time to build an email list. It takes time to set up media interviews, and it takes time to put a book launch together. Uh, not to mention reviews, launch parties, website, promotions, webinars, and more, right? All of this takes preparation. Book launches take work, uh, but and they can work for you. They do work, but if you give yourself the time to make them work. And then the third secret is that book launches are weird. Effective book launches are weird. The key to a good book launch is to play to your strengths, avoid your weaknesses, and be true to your brand as an author. Be true to who you are and be true to who your readers are. This means if it's not at least a little weird to the outsiders, you're doing it wrong. If you copy what you see another author doing, your launch is going to be weird in the wrong ways. And so one of the things I really enjoy about working with authors and working with them on their brand is helping them be who they truly are in a more authentic and consistent way. Uh, not only is it more effective, when it comes to selling more books, but it's also more liberating psychologically. <laughs> so um, book launches work and they can work for you, but where do you learn how to make them work for you? Well, that's where the 2021 Book Launch Blueprint comes in. This is a course that I do with uh, Christie award-winning author, James L. Rubart, every month, or sorry, every year in the spring. And what I'm gonna do for the next 20 minutes is I'm going to give you a summary of that whole course so get a pen and paper ready because the tips are about to come fast. I'm going to give you a lot of book marketing tips in a very short amount of time. This is like a cliff notes for the course. Y'all ready? You ready to get a fire hydrant's worth of information? Uh, we've got four weeks of the course. This is one change from last year. Last year, the course was three weeks. This uh, time, the course is four weeks. Uh, and it's got a little bit more breathing room. Uh, we it was spread out the information a little bit. 
and we all go through the weeks together. It's like a semester in school. So let's talk about week number one. Monday is the session, how to sell yourself. This is where we talk about what marketing is and how to sell yourself, even if you're an introvert. This is a really important session because it helps you to um, promote your book confidently and without um, moral misgivings, right? So someone's like, how can I promote my book uh, if I'm a Christian, right? Isn't that selfish? And it's like, well, if you believe in your book, if you love your reader, if you believe your book is going to help your reader, you have an obligation to let your reader know about the book. <laughs> Otherwise, it's not loving. And once that mindset shifts, it not only becomes easier, it also becomes more fun to promote your book. So this kind of deals with some of the big picture, emotional and spiritual aspects of promoting your book. Then on Tuesday, we have the ye old famous branding session. This is where uh, we help you develop a brand that resonates with authors. And we're doing this session a little bit differently this year. Uh, in the past, it's been Jim and I uh, teaching at the same time. And the recording of us teaching this at the same time is still going to be there for those of you who want the 2020 version. But this time, we're approaching it a little bit differently, where I'm teaching on my own and Jim is teaching on his own. And it's more like two Gospels covering the same thing. So I'm like the Gospel of Luke, and I have my four-step method. It's like, here's what happened, and then here's what happened. So those four steps are look in the mirror, identify your strengths and your weaknesses, the second step is to look at your readers and to define it, identify their needs and their idiosyncrasies. How are your readers different from other readers? The third is to listen to your readers and what they have to say about you and your writing. And then finally, look in your readers' mirror. So it's very step-by-step. -step. And then Jim, uh, James L. Rubart, who uh, I call Jim and you can too, uh, presents it. He's more of a gospel of John. <laughs> so it's um, a little bit different perspective, but it's on the same concept. And we think that this new way of teaching branding is going to make uh, branding more approachable for more people. Because Some people respond better to the one. Some people respond better to the other. And we hope that these two perspectives will really help you understand how you can have a strong brand. If this word brand has freaked you out and you're not quite sure what it means or how can a person have a brand? I thought companies have brands. This session will clarify all of that. <clears throat> and then uh, our big change from last year is that Wednesday, we're not going to have a new session where we teach new content. Instead, we're going to have a combined office hours where Jim and I will be on a call where we will, by video, take your questions and answer your questions one-on-one. -on -one. We're also going to have an office hours every day in the afternoon. So every weekday, there's an office hours. So if you have questions, you can get them answered by either Jim or myself. But on Wednesdays, you can get your, answer quest your question answered by both of us at the same time, which again, sometimes we may disagree or, or give you two different perspectives. Uh, on Thursday of the first week is a brand new session titled From Tech Timid to Tech Savvy, How to Master Any Technology. And this is a brand new session. I'm making it brand new this year, but it's based off of a talk I've been giving at writers conferences for over a decade. And I'll tell you right now, the secret to getting good with technology is also the way of the kingdom to become like a child. And once you awake, reawaken your sense of childlike wonder, technology will become fun to learn. And as it becomes more fun to learn, uh, you will learn more and be transformed from a tech novice to a tech master. And I've been giving versions of this talk, like I said, for over a decade, and I get some of my most fulfilling feedback from authors who come to me years later and say how different their life has been 
because of the tech transformation. They were afraid of technology, and now they're using technology to make a difference in the world. And that is just a really good feeling when it happens. And it, this talk is not just learning kind of how to learn it, but it also has really practical tech um, tips that will reduce your stress uh, immediately. I'm really excited about this session, partly because I'm making it right now. Uh, these talks are kind of like my children, but this is the one that I just gave birth to, so or I'm giving birth to, so I'm particularly excited about it. Uh, and then on Friday, we have a session, How to Maximize the Impact of Your Website. We've expanded this session over the years, and it actually includes complete training on how you can build your own website. And every year, we have students now who build a website during the course. So during the course, they not only get training on how to launch their book, they also conclude uh, the course with a brand new website that they built themselves. If you have the power to build your own website, you have the power to update your website. And I'm seeing some people in the chat saying that they're having some trouble with internet. If you refresh, if those of you who can hear me, just tell folks to refresh their screens. Uh, sometimes, uh, the internet uh, isn't fast enough for live video, but uh, the replay will work no problem. Uh, so here's my tip when it comes to websites, and that is that your website is not for you. It is for your readers. The more you make it about your readers, the more effective your website will be. Here's a real practical way to implement that on your website. Use the word you more than you use the word I on your blog posts, and web pages. That is the key to a writing an excellent website. I'll give you a pass on the about page. That's the page that's about you. But on every other page, it needs to be more about your reader than it is about yourself. <clears throat> uh, this course, um, so if, if the whole course was just this first week, it'd be easily worth $500. Uh, if you were to go through this at a writer's conference, it would be more than that, right? But it's it spread across a week, so it's less intense than a writer's conference and more digestible. But that's just the first week. Now let's go to week two, set. So on Monday of week two, we talk about how to build a rabid tribe of fans. Uh, this is about, all about how to connect and motivate your readers to help spread the word about your book. If you're a first-time author, this is a really important session because a lot of first-time authors are like, how do I get people excited about my book before I have a book? That's what this session's all about. Uh, and it's really important. You got to get that anticipation growing ahead of time. And my one tip here is that this is not something that can be rushed. Building a relationship with the tribe is just like building a relationship with an individual. Even if it's love at first sight, it takes time to build trust. So you want to show up early, you want to show up well, and you want to do it that's consistent with your brand in a way that blesses your tribe. And as you bless them consistently, they will come to love you and they will come to support you and will shout your name from the mountaintops and help you sell lots of copies of your book because they believe in your book just as much as they believe in you. Uh, and so this, that's, this is kind of the big picture session. And the next day, on Tuesday, we talk about how to create a launch team. So this is one of the things you'll notice in this course. We take, you know, uh, Tuesday, Thursday, um, sorry, Monday, Tuesday, or uh, Thursday, Friday, these two kind of session blocks often go hand in hand. So there's the how to get good with technology, which is kind of more big picture, and then the how to build a website, which is really implementing it uh, in specific. And we do the same thing here. So we talk about, in general, how to get people uh, excited about you, how to build a rabid tribe of fans, and then how to create a launch team, or sometimes it's called a street team, how to get them to actually take action. And I have a big tip here, and that is don't use Facebook for your launch team. 
Facebook sells user data to Amazon. And last year, they're like, you can use Facebook, but you have to do all of these things to try to keep Facebook and Amazon from talking to each other about you and uh, try to hide things from big, big tech companies. I now no longer believe that that is possible. <laughs> Facebook and Amazon know you better than you know yourself. And they have so many ways of connecting the dots. And what happens when you do your launch team on Facebook is that Amazon deletes the reviews. Uh, I had... Um, Two good friends of mine uh, who are are Facebook friends, they read my book on dating and relationships and it worked. And they went from being single to being married to each other. And they both wanted to leave a review of how my book helped change their life. They they both left reviews on Amazon and both of those reviews were taken down. (laughs) Not because they weren't helpful reviews, but because Facebook and Amazon are talking to each other. Uh, And so you don't want to do much on Facebook if you don't want your uh, reviews deleted. And the thing is, they don't tell you that the reviews are deleted. They just don't show up. And the person who leaves the review sometimes doesn't even notice because they're like, oh, it'll take two to three days for your review to be approved. And meanwhile, Amazon's like, hey, Facebook, should we approve this review? And Facebook says no. And so the review doesn't get approved. Uh, so when it comes to your launch team, basically anything is better than Facebook. And the two top options I would say are Discord and MeWe. And we'll go into those options in the course in more detail. This is one of the sessions being updated. The general advice is the same, you know, how to get people excited and organized, but the technical tool of using Facebook is no longer a good tool. All right, and then again on Wednesday, there's another combined office hours, like I said, and then on Thursday, we have how to use email to launch your book. Uh, So this is all about how to grow a list and how to put together specifically an email strategy for your book. Some authors come into this class and they don't have an email list when they get started and they have one by the time they finish the course. Uh, It's more work that way. Hopefully you've already gotten started building an email list, but if not, we will show you how to do it. So uh, my one tip here is that uh, you can get away with a higher than normal sending rate during your launch. So don't make the mistake of only sending out uh, one or two emails about your new book. Uh, People are expecting a higher sending rate and they won't unsubscribe because they know it's for a special uh, event. And frankly, they want those additional emails uh, because they don't want to miss out on your new book if they've signed up for the right reasons and and how to get people to sign up for the right reasons, something that you'll learn in this session. Uh, And then we have uh, another companion, right? So these two go to hand in hand. How do you set up an email list of the technical steps? And then we talk about how to write best-selling marketing copy. Now, marketing copy isn't just sending compelling emails. It's also the back cover copy of your book. And you may be like, but I'm planning to traditionally publish. Why should I write the back cover copy? Why should I learn that? Well, let me tell you. Um, And this is kind of a a little secret, but uh, I will say as a marketing director of a publishing company, I did not read all of the books that we published. And I can confidently say that most marketing directors also do not read all of the books that they publish. And for a big enough company, it's impossible, right? You big publishing companies publishing, you know, two or three books every week. Um, that's more books than the marketers can have time to read. So what they do is they use often the text from the uh, from the proposal, uh, text that's sent in from the author, and then they skim the book. Right? It's not that they don't crack open the book um, to put together some back cover copy. And so the better of a version of your back cover copy that you give your marketing team and your publisher, the more they can do with it to make it even better. Right? If you uh, don't give them anything and they're starting from scratch, you may end up with really terrible marketing copy that just doesn't compel readers to buy your book. And so this is a really important skill to learn if you're traditionally published. And if you're indie published, 
it's really important to learn because there is no uh, marketing team rewriting your marketing copy. What you write is what you get. So uh, it's really important to understand how to write uh, best-selling marketing copy. And that's what we teach in this session. Um, and then my tip for marketing copy, it's actually the same tip for websites. And that is to realize that people don't care about you. They care about themselves. So write about your book in a way that makes it interesting for someone who doesn't care if the author lived or died. <laughs> so uh, the sessions of this week, uh, if, if you were to take just this week as a course somewhere, uh, or go to, to a conference, easily another $500. The, the marketing copy, potentially more than that. Um, marketing copy, how to write good copy is a really expensive skill to learn. The people who do it for a living often charge hundreds of dollars an hour. Um, but we'll say for the sake of math, that this brings the total value of the course up to $1,000. That brings us to week three, go. So Monday is in some ways the least exciting and most important session. So a media calendar or an editorial calendar is like the bones of your launch. It's what holds it all together. So it's going to keep you sane. It's where the plan really has uh, truth and where the dates are attached. Uh, it's a schedule of all your interviews, promotional activities, advertisements, um, events, etc. All in one place, planned out ahead of time. If all you do for your book launch is have a document on your computer or even a piece of paper where you have, you know, day one, I'm doing this, day two, I'm doing this, you know, day minus one, I'm doing this, right? You know, you're planning out the, the month ahead of your launch and then the month of your launch. Uh, it'll make such a huge difference. So few authors do this. <laughs> and it's a really, it's a missed opportunity. And uh, oftentimes you're publishing, the marketing folks at your publishing company are going to try to put this together because they're there. If you want to work with your marketing team, with your publisher, they need to know when you're available for media, right? They need to know when you're booked and when you're not booked And a good shared marketing uh, calendar is really helpful. So a couple tips here, uh, start way ahead of time, putting together your editorial calendar. If you want to get booked on podcasts and radio, Sometimes you have to do those interviews or start scheduling those interviews months before your launch because podcasts especially have a long lead time. I used to host a radio show and radio shows um, don't have as long of a lead time, but there's a lot of vetting right? and a lot of gatekeepers to get past. So you can't just call up a radio show the day before your launch and be like, hey, can you have me on tomorrow? It's like, sorry, we're booked. <laughs> uh, we have some openings two months from now. Um, and so you really need to start ahead of time. And another thing that you want to add to your calendar is when you're going to pitch, right? I'm going to pitch these podcasts, you know, three months before my book comes out. I'm going to pitch these uh, radio shows too much before my, bu my book comes out. And you have a special day, right? Monday, the 14th, is when I'm going to do the pitches, right? That way it actually happens. And then my other tip here is to schedule in rest. So important to rest. This is a sprint. Your launch is a sprint. And if you watch sprinters, they're either intensely running or they are resting, <laughs> and the rest is very important. <clears throat> uh, and then the next day, we talk about how to write winning uh, content for guest posts and articles. And this is one of those strategies that have worked for decades. If you were to listen to a cassette tape of Steve Lobby teaching on platform building from 1 million years ago, you know what you'll hear him talking about? Writing articles. And you know what still works? Writing articles. <laughs> yes, the articles are online. That doesn't actually change uh, things as much as you might think. But we talk about how to write blog posts, which is what the kids call articles these days. Um, and my one tip here is before you pitch a website or a publication uh, to write an article for them or a blog, run the numbers to see how popular that blog is. Some blogs look really popular, 
and they're not very popular. What's the one proverb? One man looks like he's rich, but really he is poor. And another man looks like he is poor, but really he is rich. That's definitely true with blogs. And there are ways where you can know from objective third-party sources how many people uh, roughly uh, read that blog, how popular that blog is. If you use those tools before uh, pitching the blog, you can keep from wasting your time. Because one popular blog can have as much traffic as 100 normal blogs. And this is one reason why uh, we don't recommend blog tours as a general strategy. Because blog tours from blog tour companies tend to focus on blogs that aren't very popular. The popular blogs don't take pitches from blog tour companies for the most part. <coughs> Excuse me. Then Wednesday, we have another combined office hours. I think you're noticing a trend, I hope. Then we have how to get good at Goodreads, gain a, a horde of raving readers. So Goodreads is a social network specifically for books. And Goodreads is kind of a special social network. It's, it's definitely a social network by authors for authors. And part of the reason how you can know that is that uh, most social networks love change. They're changing things all the time. Facebook algorithm changes uh, every few months. The things that worked in 2020 now are not working. And the things that worked in 2010 are working again, <laughs> some, some of them. Uh, Goodreads, on the other hand, was changed last, I think, in 2017. Like, it's like, change? Um, it's like, how many Goodreads admins does it take to change a light bulb? None. They don't want to change the light bulb. The burnt out one is fine. <laughs> um, what's nice about Goodreads is that it doesn't take a lot of work. Because it doesn't change that much, because there's not a lot of activity, you can get a lot of results and a really core connection uh, with Goodreads readers now. And you may be like, I've never heard of Goodreads. Well, who uses Goodreads? Mega readers use Goodreads. The kind of person who reads 100 books a year is on Goodreads to talk to the other people who read 100 books a year. Who's going to take a risk on an author they've never heard of? The kind of person who reads 100 books a year. That person who only reads one book a year and the last 10 books they read were all New York Times bestselling books, they're not going to take a, a risk on a brand new author. But Goodreads readers might. So what's my tip? Start using Goodreads as a reader right now. <laughs> you can start to build your connection on Goodreads. You can get to know how it works. You can get to uh, familiar with the culture and the community there. Uh, and you can do that right now. You can go to goodreads.com and sign up for an account and start using it as a reader. Start leaving reviews. Uh, and then on Friday, we have how to uh, use Amazon to sell more books. And it's interesting. So when we first started teaching this course, Amazon was 800-pound gorilla. And then uh, this little pandemic happened. You might have heard about it. And everyone switched to Amazon for everything, <laughs> where all of their... Um, purchases on Amazon. And there are still physical bookstores. They still exist, but they've lost significant market share to Amazon. It'll be interesting to see as people kind of come out of the rocks they're hiding under, uh, if they go back to buying uh, books in physical bookstores or if it's all Amazon all the time. So uh, your Amazon page is really important. <laughs> Some authors think it's more important than your website. I don't necessarily agree with that, but uh, it's still really important. <laughs> and some readers will never see your website, but they will spend a lot of time on your Amazon page. So we're going to talk about, and I'll, I'll just give you some tips here. Um, your cover, your back cover copy, you need to have clean also bots, and you want to have lots of reviews. This is where your launch team comes in. And if you're indie publishing, I recommend that you set up your book as a pre-order for at least a week probably longer, but at least a week before your page goes live. That that way, if anything is broken or doesn't look right, you have time to fix it because you can't just instantly update your Amazon page. It takes a few days 
sometimes for the um, updates to go through. And that's not on Amazon. Like I'll throw shade at Amazon when they're doing things that I don't think are pro author. But in this instance, it's a pure technical limitation. Amazon has billions of page views every day and it's, it requires millions of dollars to run their servers. And one of the ways that they keep their website running so fast is that they have basically frozen versions of their pages or what are called cached versions of their pages. So the last thing you want is for there to be an embarrassing typo or broken HTML on your book page and you, it goes live on launch day and it's broken for 48 hours while you're waiting for the fix to go through. And if you're a trad author, this is really important because you're gonna care and pay way more attention to your Amazon page for far longer than your publisher is, right? They're gonna make sure it's looking good and set up initially, but sometimes errors come in or sometimes you have ideas on how to improve it. And I will say, um, at, during my time as an agent, one of the things we did a lot was update and improve authors' Amazon pages. And I found publishers to be really easy to work with. You're like, hey, I wanna make these improvements. I wanna make these changes, or I think this category would be a better fit for me now. And in, I think, every instance, uh, at least that I did it with, with my clients, the publisher was like, that's a good idea. We're going to make that change. And uh, so it's important to be fluent. And even if they don't make the change, if you're fluent in Amazon, you can have a productive conversation with your publisher and have more sales. Because a certain percentage of people who visit your Amazon page are going to choose to buy. Some of them are not going to choose to buy. And the higher that percentage is, the more Amazon will promote your book to strangers. So you really want this page to look good. This session is all about that. All right, so if we are to take week three again, let's say it's worth uh, $500 if you were to learn this on your own, not counting lodging and airfare, that brings the total uh, value of the course up to $1,500 and that brings us to week four, run. So on Monday of week four is a session uh, that I teach on how to use marketing psychology to create a frenzy for your book. So in a lot of the other sessions, we talked about really practical ways of creating a frenzy and the kind of the technical tools to do it. In this session, we talk about launches from a psychological perspective. And once you understand marketing psychology, you'll understand why launches are so effective and uh, how to make them work inside the minds of your readers. And one of the fun things about this session is that this is where you learn kind of the marketing fundamentals behind book launches. And once you understand those fundamentals, you can start to come up with new strategies. And uh, people who go through the course will share their brainstorm ideas with each other. And sometimes we'll have brand new techniques that no one's ever tried before emerge from this session. Because once you get to the psychology, you start to think about like, oh, well, what if I did it this way? What if I did it that way? And that uh, brainstorming in the community is a lot of fun. and might learn some really cool ideas from other authors going through this course. It's part of the reason why authors who've gone through the course in the past like doing it again, because they like to get ideas from the other authors going through it. <clears throat> then on Tuesday, we talk about how to have a wildly successful launch day. So this is about, you know, day zero, D-Day, the day your book launches. A um, couple tips here. One, consider hosting a launch party uh, for your friends and family in real life. Uh, some people do this at a bookstore, but I like to do it um, in a way that's very um, brand consistent with your book. And that may depend, right? Are you writing a Regency romance? Maybe have a costume party. Maybe have a tea party. I know authors who have costume tea parties and they have all their readers come and it's a huge hit. And you can buy tea for a lot of people really inexpensively. And the authors, they are busy signing books. For my book as a dating and relationship book, uh, we had a dance. And I had 300 people come to dance at my launch party. I spent the whole time selling, uh, signing and selling books. 
uh, it can be a really effective way to get people really excited about your book. And it's a really rewarding and, and you put a lot of work into your book and you deserve to be celebrated. And if you're in an area of the world where people are not gathering together, host your launch party online. We'll talk about some ways to do that. Um, but do something on launch day to celebrate your book going live. And you'd be surprised how many people would love to come to a book launch. And then Wednesday, again, there's a combined office hours. And then in the final two days, we talk about how to nail media interviews. This is media training. And uh, I will say, I went through, you know, high-end political media training, kind of media training that people get before they run for office. And you're going to be learning some of those <laughs> tips here. You're also going to be learning things I learned on both sides of the microphone. Uh, James L. Rubart, who I teach this course with, was in radio for 20 years. I did radio for a time hosting a radio show. I've got a long-running podcast. goes back to 2013, and the both of us do a lot of guest interviews. We've both spent a lot of time on both sides of the mic, and we can train you, and we do in this session, on how to be more prepared, more confident, and less nervous. And those early media interviews are really important because I will say, as a journalist or as a radio person, I would check before having somebody on my show how they did on previous interviews. Are they a good guest? Are, are they going to be articulate? Are they going to be entertaining? So a couple of uh, tips here. One is to realize that you are not the star of the show. Your listener is the, the listener is the star of the show, or arguably the host is the star of the show, but you're not as the guest. And so you need to thrill that listener. You need to thrill that host. If you can do that, you'll be invited back, which it can be great. A lot of authors, when they go in to launch their second book, they have a lot of um, pending invites from radio shows and podcasts who are like, I loved having you on. Next time you launch a book, let me know. I'll get you booked. And that's when you get those interviews lined up just when you want them because it's already a friendly invite. You're not coming in as a stranger. You're coming in as somebody who nailed the first interview. Uh, and then another tip is to create a media kit to make it easier to book you. This has all the information that uh, answers all of the questions that a, a host of a show, be it a TV show or a radio show, that they want answered. And if they can get all of those questions answered while they're researching you, they're much more likely to book you as a guest. <clears throat> All right, we're going to get to the Q&A here real soon. So don't forget, if you have questions on any of these things, click ask a question. Uh, you can also vote on the questions that somebody else has asked. If somebody else has asked a question you're wanting an answer to, vote on their question. All right, it'll be more likely we'll get to it. If uh, six people all ask the same question and don't vote for each other, uh, it's less likely Steve and I will get to that question. And then finally, uh, how this, we have a session on the next 30 days, right? How to make, continue that momentum uh, for the rest of the course. So if we were to take all of the sessions from this week, uh, it's easily another $500 plus, I would say another $500 for the media training alone. Good professional media training is really valuable and it's not cheap. So this brings the total value of the course to $2,500. So can I ask you a question? Who here feels a little bit like this when it comes to launching your book, or learning about all of the things that you need to do to launch your book? And yeah, lots of people are saying yes. There's a longer delay now uh, than normal. So would it be okay uh, if I took a couple of minutes uh, before we start the Q&A to talk about how we can help you make book launches easier? Seeing. Uh, Lots of, <laughs> yes, is coming. A lot of people find this overwhelming. So let me ask this question. How much time have you invested in your book? It's not uncommon for authors to spend between 200 and 800 hours writing a book. Possibly more if it's your first book, right? Sometimes authors who are writing their first book don't measure their work in hours. They measure it in years. Which brings me to the next question, 
What is your time worth? Now, I know it's hard to put a price on time. We can always make more money. We can never make more time. And we don't know how much time we have left. I remember listening to a pastor, um, a very old man who planted the church and it turned out to be his last sermon. We didn't know that. He said, time is like a wheelbarrow of gems. And when you're a young man, you scatter it. But when you become an old man, you realize just how precious it is as you hold your few remaining gems. But for the sake of math, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to get dark there. Um, for the sake of math, let's assume that you could be making $25 an hour as an editor. A lot of authors can make that as an editor. Obviously, skilled editors make a lot more than that. But if, but for, again, to keep the math simple, let's assume your time is worth $25 an hour. If we multiply that by the time you've invested in your book, that means you've invested between $5,000 and $20,000 into your book. Maybe more if it's your first book. Uh, so how strong of a launch does your book deserve, right? If you've put that much effort into the book, uh, it deserves a strong launch. Now, you know, Hollywood has a rule of thumb, you know, for every uh, million dollars they spend making the movie, they try to spend half a million or a quarter million marketing the, uh, the movie. But I have some good news. And that is, you can have a strong launch for your book for a lot less than you would think. So the book launch blueprint gives you uh, a custom book launch plan for your book, customized for you in your book, by you with our help. We coach you all along the process. And then you have this custom book launch plan that you can then take into a meeting with your publishing uh, company. So if you're traditionally published, I know from the survey, a lot of you are planning to traditionally publish. And I'll tell you exactly what happens in these meetings because I've been in these meetings. You come to your book launch uh, planning meeting with your uh, publisher and you have your plan. They're going to look through their plan. And the first thing they're going to say is, wow, because <laughs> uh, they're not used to authors coming this prepared. And then they start saying, oh, we can help with this. Or, oh, you're, you're doing this. We can help fund this. Or, oh, you're doing a um, launch team. Would you like somebody from our staff to come in and sit on that meeting? Now, some publishers have more resources than others, uh, but they're going to be more willing to help you out if you come with a clear plan and you're going to be able to really strategically like, gosh, we only had a small budget, but now we can really spend it in these spots where we think we can help you out. Um, so you get a custom launch plan for your uh, book. You also get a private community of other authors going through this course. And it really is. It's like going through school with uh, other folks. You graduate together. It's And the community is yours to keep forever. And it's not uncommon to see authors join each other's launch teams, reviewing each other's books, encouraging each other and promoting each other. And the more helpful uh, you are to the other authors in the community, the more helpful they are to you. <laughs> and then one more thing I'll say about the course is that it's a perfect blend of recorded and live training. This isn't just a bunch of videos. You get pre-recorded, edited videos with fancy slides in the morning, but then in the evening, you can watch it anytime, right? It's pre-recorded, uh, but then in the afternoons, there's a live session with either me or Jim where we answer your questions and we coach you. And James L. Rubart is a Christie Hall of Fame author. He won so many Christie Awards, they put him in the Hall of Fame and made him ineligible for new awards, so there'd be room for other people in his category, uh, and you'll get a chance to be coached uh, by him. So, Recorded sessions, $2,500, like we already talked. The live coaching is easily worth $2,000, which brings us to total value of $4,500. But the course doesn't cost $4,500. Um, it could pay for itself there, though, with increased sales. But we wanted to make this a no-brainer price. So uh, at $2,500, the live coaching are basically free, right? You're just paying for the pre-recorded 
videos. But the course doesn't cost $2,500. Now, we could price it at $1,200. That's what our closest competitor is priced at. And we've had students who went through that course and then went through our course. And they said they learn more in our course. So we don't want you to take that course. We want you to go through the book launch blueprint, which is why we price the course at $749 or 12 payments, $79. But we also included several bonuses. I'll go through those real quick and then we'll go to the questions. So the first bonus is training on how to do a Kickstarter campaign for your book ahead of time, which you can use to raise money for your book before the book comes out. It also comes with my book table pro and my book progress pro. These are WordPress plugins that help you have a better website that sells more books. We encourage you to use these tools in the sessions on building a website. And then we give you the tools for free <laughs> or, or included with as a bonus in the course. You also get six of Jim's award-winning books or sorry, uh, it's bonus six. You get three of Jim's award-winning uh, Christie award-winning books. You get my immediately, you get my bonus. Uh, they are, talk the art of persuasion and then my course how to get booked as a podcast guest this is a really popular course where you learn specifically how to be a good podcast guest we don't just talk about how to do a good interview but also what microphone to get uh, how to talk in to the camera a lot of the technical details uh, and once you take this course you're almost ready to start your own podcast you're so prepared so if we add up all of the bonuses it's 482 dollars worth of bonuses so if we add that Total value, $4,982. The actual price, only $749. And you can sign up today at the link right below that arrow. So with that, let's go to um, questions. So let me unfocus the uh, slide here. We have a couple of questions while you're voting. Now's your chance to vote on questions. Um, I have a few frequently asked questions. So will there be a replay? Yes, this link, as soon as we click done, will turn into a replay link. Uh, what time zone is the course in? Uh, there's going to be recordings of both the live sessions and the pre-recorded sessions. You can watch them at any time, but the live sessions in general will, will, will be at 4 p.m. Central Time, which if you don't want to do the conversion, that's the same time this webinar started. So if this webinar was convenient for you, <laughs> the live webinar will be convenient. Steve was complaining that the time was confusing for him, but it's not really my fault. It's Arizona's fault because they can't decide what time zone they're in. They switch back. <laughs> um, so what kind of time commitment does this course require? Uh, you can put in as much or as little as you want, but we recommend that you set aside for the 28 days, two hours a day to do the sessions and the homework. Will I have lifetime access? Yes, you get lifetime access to the course and you also get all future upgrades. So I know there's probably people in this uh, session who've already purchased the book launch blueprint. You went through it in a previous year. You're like, man, I want to hear that new session on getting good with technology, or I want to hear the upgraded session on branding. Well, guess what? You don't have to pay anything. <laughs> you get it for free. Uh, and you can go through and get the emails and be a part of it um, with everyone else if you want to. Uh, and then it's for both fiction and nonfiction. Uh, is it too late for me to go through the course? Um, if your book is already out, it's too late. <laughs> this is for launching a book that's not yet out. Um, and then when is it too early? Uh, I would say if your book launch is more than two years away, it's too early. But if your book is you know, 16 months away, 18 months away, go through the course now rather than waiting until next year when you're really under the gun. You want to have time to prepare for the harvest. And is there a money back guarantee? Yes. Yes, there is. Okay. So with that, we will um, close out these slides. We have 27 questions. So um, 
Oh my goodness, and they all have the same number of votes? No, the top two have the same number of votes. Y'all are um, making us make decisions here. So I will uh, I'll just take this top one here. It's by Jesse Mattis. Uh, everyone on social media seems to be selling something nowadays. Uh, what are some effective social media strategies to keep from becoming white noise? Or is social media becoming a thing of the past as far as its effectiveness in this area goes? So I'm sure Steve has a lot of thoughts on this, but you'll notice we do not have a session on social media because social media does not move the needle in terms of book sales. When I was the marketing director at Enclave, we did all kinds of experiments with Facebook and I could not demonstrate that Facebook made a difference in selling books um, it, it, that was worth the time invested. You, know, you could spend hundreds and hundreds of hours on social media building a following to then sell maybe dozens of books. And that hundreds of hours is better spent doing almost anything else. So um, well, social media has become an addiction. But it comes to a the, uh, the, the question then, because everyone says, well, then why does everybody tell us to become experts on social media? Social media, mm -hmm. for those of you who are on social media, do not like to be sold but you like to be on social media because of the community of like-mindedness or interests that are created. So the point of social media goes back to what Thomas was talking about earlier in the presentation about platform. It creates a, a community that, of like-mindedness. And then you can say, oh, by the way, I've got this new book. <clears throat> and everyone goes, oh, really? Great. Where do I get it? And that, hey, Jim. Uh, James <laughs> L. Rubar in the building. <laughs> the legend. Anyway, uh, that is what works. Now, right now, because I also own Enclave Publishing, um, we find a great um, reaction within the Instagram community among bookstagrammers. So these are people who all love books. They all love science fiction and fantasy. They all share their pictures. They all talk about it, and it creates a community. But all we do as a publisher is we say, here's the new book, once a month. The other 30 days of the month, we're showing pictures of the other books we have, or we put them, we create a challenge saying, you know, can you put a cover of an Enclave book in a restaurant somewhere, if there's any open? Uh, and Everybody gets involved because they're part of a community and it's fun. But if all you're doing is shilling your work, people will stop following you. And that's the mistake nearly every first-time author makes, thinking that social media is going to uh, be the end-all. So the question is then to you two, so what is the most effective strategy then? that they do use? I would say of the strategies, um, it would probably be a, a, I'm not sure which of these two I think would be most effective. One is email. Right. In terms of conversion rate, email has by far the highest conversion rate. And, yeah. and I'm noticing a change now with publishing companies and even um, distributors. If Anchor is going to distribute your book as an indie author, the very first question on the form is how many email addresses do you have on your list? <laughs> because you could have a big social media following and it's like, well, if you couldn't get them to sign up for your email list, 
do they really like you? Like, As an agent, good? that's one of the first questions we ask. Yeah. Because that speaks <laughs> right to your platform. Right. Is your, if you have 27,000 followers on Twitter, okay, that's fine. That means no one's reading you, but that, that, that's fine. Uh, but if you say you have 20,000, 27,000 email subscribers who you email once a month or once every quarter or something like that, it's like, oh, really? These are 27,000 people who want to hear from you. That's significant. Yeah. But if it's 270, it's not so exciting. And then the other strategy, I would say, is a launch team and all of the things yep. that go along with a launch team. Because you can spend a lot of time building social following, or you can get a bunch of people to use their social following. It's like Instagram, for a few hundred dollars, you can get half a dozen or a dozen Instagrammers with 100,000 here, 10,000 there followers to promote your book. Like that's that's how most people do it. They pay somebody else on Instagram to promote their book. And um, there's a whole like method of sponsoring posts that we're not going to go into. Well, I like it. I like to compare it to the way radio stations try to sell their advertising to a, um, a business. They'll come to me and they'll say, our reach is three and a half million people. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's everybody within the radius that the radio wave goes to. All three and a half million are not tuned in all at the same time. And you're trying to sell me advertising at 2 a.m. on a Saturday or a Sunday morning. And I don't think we'll have maybe more than 10 people listening. <laughs> then you want to charge me $1,000 for that, that advertising spot. So the idea of what they're saying is what is the reach? Well, that's what a launch team does. Let's say just take the three of us here on the screen. We could combine each of our platforms and we might have some blending. There might be some repeats, but my guess is each of us has a unique set of people that follow us. Well said. Jim, do you want to add anything before going to the next question? Yeah, real quickly. Um, if I was selling, if I loved golf and I wanted you to come and play my golf course, and I went into a party and 10% of the people there were golfers and 10% loved hockey, but 20% were basketball players, loved basketball. You see where I'm going with this. Would it be better for me to go to that party where 10% liked different sports? Or would it be better for me to go to a party where everyone in the party was golfers? Well, of course, it'd be better if I went where all the good golfers reads. were. <laughs> and that's Goodreads. So I, I see a lot of people that Goodreads, that's not social media. Yes, it is social media, but it's the best social media because everyone there is an avid reader. And so you are you, your ability to come up to somebody at a party and Steve's a hockey guy. Hey, Steve, you interested in my golf clubs? Not really. I like you, Jim, but not really. But everyone in Goodreads is going, yeah, I'm interested in your your, your golfing, Jim. So... So put some energy, yes, email, absolutely. But secondarily, go to the place where you have the super fans of reading, and that's Goodreads. Well, and I have a, a sister-in-law who is a Goodreads follower and reads approximately 200 novels a year. <laughs> Unreal. But she was part of one community that she told me about where they literally read their way around the world. Oh, how fun. Each novel was based or written by someone from a different country. And oh, they man. spent a year 
traveling the globe together in a community inside Goodreads and we're sharing each other's reviews. Wow. I mean, for one thing, try to find a novel based in Uzbekistan, but that's another <laughs> issue. <laughs> but they found them. And they, they found that they learned things about culture, about people, about places they never would have thought of before. And can you imagine writing, reading a book based in Finland and then a month or three or four days later, you're reading a book in Greenland. And it just, to me, that's the beauty of a, of a community like this. And so for those of you who don't know Goodreads, seriously, Thomas said it earlier, go sign up, cost you nothing. And then start following people who might follow you back. And the next thing you know, you have a little community of like-minded people. I will go to Goodreads and read the reviews there before I will buy a unknown author to me. Yeah, me too, Steve. My, my wife never buys a book without checking Goodreads first. She doesn't put any stock in Amazon reviews, but she checks Goodreads reviews religiously. And the thing about Goodreads is that you're not just catching readers, but you're catching <clears throat> readers when they're in the mode for picking a new book. And they're in that mind spot, right? If I'm in the middle of a 200-word book or 200-page book or I'm in the middle of a series and there's five more books, you don't want to hit me with marketing because I'm not in the market for a book. But when I go to Goodreads, I'm ready for my next books. Typically, it's because I'm reviewing the last book I just finished. So you're really striking while the iron is hot. But let's let's move on let's to the, next, to the next section. Yeah, we have a it's lot a good, of questions. Have a lot it's of a books. good one. It's a good one. <clears throat> and I'm glad that one. Uh, this is why I love Crowdcast because they often the best questions do rise to the surface. So do vote on the questions. If you don't like the questions we're answering, uh, vote and let us know. Okay, uh, this next one's from Ken. Uh, he asks, since Thomas has previously said not to give a copy of the book to launch team members and not to have uh, family or close friends in the launch team, how do I find it? It's okay to have them in the launch team, um, but you want to have real readers in the launch team too. How do I find appropriate people for my launch team? Uh, they would need, I assume, to be readers already of the same genre uh, that makes it harder to find people. So there's a lot of answers to this question. We have a whole session on this in the course. But believe it or not, we're going to give the same answer to those back-to-back questions. Goodreads. <laughs> and there are groups and matchmaking services. Um, and so that's one place you can find readers. And, and it's a place, here's what I would look for. It's the same with beta readers, actually. I just did an episode on this. Look for people who wrote, not a short one or two sentence review, but for somebody who wrote a whole book report on a book that's similar to yours that they loved. Right. This is the kind of person who's really enthusiastic. And if you reach out to them, it's like, hey, I saw that you just loved this book um, and you wrote a really great review. Would you be interested in my book and, or, or being on the launch team for my book? Launching is kind of a bigger ask than a beta reader because you're asking them yes. to help promote it. So you have to have already built that relationship, which is why that session on building a rabid tribe of fran fans comes first. <laughs> we talk about that before we talk about uh, launch teams. Well, and also launch teams is a little bit like herding cats <laughs> because they're all volunteers. Yeah, you might be offering them a um, a free book, but you have to also be managing them to make sure that they actually do what they said they were going to do. At Over at Enclave, we have a launch team for every title that the publisher, we the publisher puts together. But people have to apply and if they don't do their work, they are replaced. It's that simple. We um, want to have people who want to be a part of this. Go ahead, Thomas. And I'll say that's not unique to Enclave. Of all of the sessions 
that we teach, the one most likely when you have your call with the publishing company and they're like, we want to be a part of this launch team, (laughs) the marketing team, they're going to want somebody in that launch team. If for no other reason, just to hear what people are saying and to make sure nothing's been promised (laughs) that because sometimes the the publisher be like, oh, we'll send bookmarks or, you know, gift baskets or whatever. Like the top launch team folks get gifts from the publisher. The publisher uh, may do that. They may not, but they definitely want to be there to make sure what's being promised (laughs) and they're going to want to be involved in that community. And so but you can do a launch team as an indie author. You don't need to have a publisher. And you can it. do it as small as 10 people. Yeah. You can do it as big as 100 people. Um, you know, that gets a little more unwieldy the more people you have involved. Um, you know, I have a, a client over at the agency that has 150 people on her launch team. And wow. she gets an ebook to every single one of them. They have all pre read it and they have their reviews poised to hit. On launch day, they do all of their social media talking and they talk about the book. And next thing you know, there's a buzz going because there's a hundred voices out there on the streets saying, this is one of the greatest books I've read in the last 10 years. And, uh, you know, that's important. What you don't want to (laughs) do, if you're doing nonfiction, don't do what one client of mine did, who happened to be the pastor of a church who had his uh, office assistant contact everybody in the congregation and say, please put a five-star review for Pastor So-and-So <laughs> on Amazon. Uh, the problem was, is the people didn't disguise where they were from when they were posting them. So every single review was from the same city. <laughs> and it, you know, after a while, I was kind of going, uh, everybody knows none of you read it. You're just <laughs> supporting the pastor. Uh, uh, it, it becomes a, a little transparent. You, you want Gideon's two. I used to say Gideon's 300, but people really gla- grabbed onto that 300 number. You don't actually want Gideon's 300, but that same thinking of where Gideon had a big army and he narrowed it down to a really small group of very disciplined people. You'll have a better impact with 30 launch team members who really participate and they're leaving reviews and they're doing the work, then 150 that are kind of sort of doing it. Now, if you can have a 150 ninjas, that's great. But uh, I'm guessing, Steve, this is not a first-time author, right? You build that launch team over time and you kick right. out the people who didn't do the work. Right. Most um, people but- usually have a launch team around 15 to 25 yeah. people. And remember, business always comes down to relationships. Right. For example, if I went to Steve and Thomas right now, I said, hey, I got this thing. I'm, I, I'm trying to promote. Would you help me out? 99 times out of 100, they're going to go, sure. Well, why? Well, because we have been friends for a long, long time. We know each other. We've been through some trenches together. We, we believe in each other. But if I go to them cold, they're not going to do it. So how do you find people for your launch team? You get involved in groups and you comment there and you get to know people and you form friendships with people so that by the time you're bu- you're ready to form your launch team or street team and you say, hey, you want to help me? You're going to have all these friends rally around you. So again, don't, I, I know for a lot of us, maybe not me, but for a lot of people, they're introverts and they, that's hard for them to do. But honestly, online makes it easier than it would be in person for a lot of people. So take that opportunity to build relationships now. And like Thomas is fond of saying, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The second best time is today. So start planting that tree, start building those relationships now. Well, here's and- a question for you, Jim. Uh, I first met you at a Mount Hermon Writers Conference many years yeah. ago. How many years from that year 
was it until your first novel launched? So that was four years, four years later. You see? Well, we're telling the people right now, you went to a conference, you made relationships, you had friends. And so when your book came out, you had a cadre right. of people who would say, who were in the industry. Right. Let's say, we will support you. Yes, absolutely. And so it's not like it was four months later. Right. It, it and it was time. a cadre of individuals who you knew their name and they knew your name. And this is one of the things people get really distracted by the idea of a group and a team. Uh, Alexander the Great conquered the whole world, right? There was barbarians at all the edges. He conquered Persia, he conquered India, he conquered Egypt, he did the whole thing. And you know what? He knew the names of his soldiers. Why do they fight so hard for him? When he's giving his speech up and down, he would point at a guy and say, hey, so-and-so, I knew your father. Don't let wow. him down. Don't disappoint his memory. You'd better fight well. And that guy was like, I'm not going to, he's not going to run away. <laughs> right. And, and supposedly, according to historians, he could speak in the 30,000 troops that he had could all hear him. And that's all he had. He didn't have a very big army. It, you know, he would go up against 10 times that in terms of Persians, but he knew their names, he knew their families and he held them accountable and they went to the edge of the world for him. And so don't try to, identify the group try to identify individual people just like what jesus did right he was like hey peter come follow me <laughs> hey john come follow me and one at a time is how you build the crowd okay next question um what here's a in elise i think i'm pronouncing that right uh, what exactly is reasonable to expect from the publisher oh steve you're gonna have to answer <laughs> me. Uh, what aspect of the launch will they take slash share the responsibility for so Great i'm gonna question. share the bible first and then i'm gonna let steve take this well it depends on the publisher so you know every publisher is different i think thomas you alluded to it earlier as some have large resources some of some yeah. don't uh, I have a client who visited his publisher's headquarters <clears throat> and met 35 people that were involved in the sales, production, editorial, marketing, uh, in general, all around maintenance of his book. And I jokingly said to him afterwards, well, if you were an indie author, independent author, you would have to be all 35 <laughs> people. And he kind of laughed. He went, I had no idea so many people were involved. But at the same time, they weren't all 100% focused on him at every moment of the day. They were handling 10 or 12 projects at, at the same time. So you can have everything from, you know, some will have ad campaigns, some will have their social media campaigns. The key here, and again, Thomas mentioned it earlier, is have a meeting with the marketing people of your publishing company, not too early and not too late. If you have it too early, they'll forget about what you talked about. If you have it too late, then things you were trying to implement just won't happen. So it's usually three to five months before publication date. In that window, you have a conversation saying, and you say, I, author, I'm doing this. I have a 25-person launch team. We're going to give away a paper white as, uh, to my newsletter followers if they will post something on social media. Uh, we're going to do a King Sumo giveaway, something like that, you know, something of this nature. I'm also I'm scheduled to speak here and here and here and here. And 
I work nights. So do not ask me to do a radio interview at noon. I won't be awake. Publisher goes, oh, okay. We can work with that. But if you surprise the publisher when they want to put you on the biggest radio show or TV show in the world live at noon, and you say, sorry, can't do it, they're not going to be real happy with you. So it becomes this partnership. Uh, and, you know, we were talking about time zones earlier, too. I know of an author that would do live radio interviews from California at drive time in New York City. In the morning, morning drive time. <laughs> so that's 5.30 Eastern time. She was doing the radio interviews at 2.30 her time live. And I said, how'd you do it? She goes, well, I took my cell phone and I found a closet and went inside, closed the door and stood behind the coat so I wouldn't wake <laughs> anybody else up in the house. <laughs> and that's how she did her live interviews. Well, she was committed to it. Publisher loved it. And she was being booked constantly. She also set up a, a, a particular media tour one day where each interview for four hours happened in a different time zone, starting in the East Coast. And as the rest of the country woke up, she was doing drive time for three and a half, four hours. See, this kind of coordination with your publisher is gold. It really, really can be effective. But unless you're in coordination and participation, it's not going to work. Which is something that the book launch blueprint really helps with that editorial calendar session that I'm like, this yep. is the least sexy session. Guess what? It's the session that your publisher is going to find or, or it's, <laughs> you're gonna, the, what your right. homework for that session. is going to be the most interesting to your publisher of all the other work that you do. Cause they're going to be going through that editorial calendar. They may be trying to add things to it and everything that Jim, uh, that Steve just said. Now let me add one more thing from the Bible. Jesus shares a parable. These three guys, right? These, these three servants. And one gets 10 talents, one gets five talents, and one gets one talent, right? And the guy with 10 invests it and he gets 10 more. The guy with five invests it, gets five more. The guy with one buries it. And you are responsible for what you have. And, and the publisher is going to help you as much as they are able to help you. And if you are faithful with that, the moral of the parable is to him who has more will be given. <laughs> so you want to be faithful with whatever you have because publishers, when they see a winner, they invest more in that winner because they want to win a lot. <laughs> and so you can, if you can convince them with your numbers, with your sales that you're a winner, they'll continue to invest in your book. Well, I have yeah. some, I have a question for Jim, just for the sake of this conversation. <clears throat> you have published with two different publishers. How many different marketing teams <laughs> <laughs> you have what eight nine books 10 books 10 books out yeah my guess is you've had at least five different mix of marketing teams over the years it's closer to nine closer yeah. to nine <laughs> yeah but what was the commonality each one wanted to know what you were going to do right and then they would partner with you some better than others but you have this common theme of here's what I'm going to do for you guys. <clears throat> and they can say, Oh good. Now we don't have to do that. But then 
you have to ask the question, what will you, Mr. Publisher, do for me? If you don't ask that question, they may not give you anything, but ask them. It- yeah, and you got to remember that these marketing teams, they're, as, as Steve indicated earlier, they're working on multiple projects all the time, and they're, they're under pressure to come up with innovative ideas. And that's why it's real easy for them to just cookie cutter it. Well, you don't want yep. them to cookie cutter it for your book. So if you can come up with the idea and come to them and say, hey, what if we were to do this? Yep. Even if it's off the wall, they're gonna, their eyes are going to light up and they're going to go, well, we can't do that, Jim. But what if we did this? Right. And so you're actually making your jobs more enjoyable and more effective if you come up with some ideas. And that's one of the things we love doing in the course. Because as Thomas said, it's not just videos. It's interaction. And during the office hours, we can brainstorm those things. One of the funnest things last year was we were doing some brainstorming with people on everything from how to query an agent to an editor to how to do an unusual unusual pitch ideas. So that's that's part of the course that we probably don't talk about enough is coming up with things with the collective mind that you probably wouldn't have thought of on your own. Mm-hmm. Your publisher doesn't have time to get you organized. So go Great through this point. course and get organized yourself. Uh, because the easier you are to interface with, the easier you are to help, the more likely they're going right. to want to help you. If every time they're trying to interact with you, it's like talking with spaghetti and they're getting confused. They're going to not do as much work, partly because they're going to be spending that time. Let's say they have a budget. They have $1,000 for you and they have 20 hours for you. And if they're having to spend 10 hours just figuring out what's going on, that's 10 hours that didn't get spent doing something else. <laughs> so get organized, go through the course, and let's go to the next question. Um, is it harder to launch a book if the book is self-published? So it's different. Right. There are advantages both ways. The advantages with traditional publishing, you've kind of already gotten an idea. There's a publishing team. There's some resources to help you. The advantages of being an indie um author is that you can advertise, which is a tool that you can't really effectively use or are forbidden from using as a traditionally published author. And you have access to sales data, real-time sales data. And that is really valuable because you can see what's working and what's not. You can redirect your energies. Mm-hmm. So um, I w- it, it's it, it's kind of like, I'm not sure which is hard. It's kind of like, which is harder, violin or piano? And it's like, well, to be concert level, it's about the same amount of work. <laughs> like you can get good at, you can like be halfway decent with the piano faster than you can be halfway decent with the violin. But if you're trying to put on a concert, it's a lot of work both ways and, and a lot of practice and preparation both ways. Well, one thing that about the independent author, there's a couple things. One is you can get to market quicker. Yeah, that's both a good thing and a bad thing. I think you mentioned earlier, sometimes you launch too early because you weren't really prepared. Uh, but also you can pivot. Let's say you you put the thing out there and you realize, you know what? No one's responding to that cover. I can change the cover. Yep. Do it again. I, I don't know how many times I've seen examples of this in the indie, indie fiction market in particular where they've tried it with this cover and then five months later, they've got a completely different cover and suddenly the book takes off because people are finding it and liking what they see for the traditional publisher. You're not going to see that happen. They've moved on. They've published a dozen books, but since then a hundred books, they've moved on, (laughs) but it's rare to have a really, really bad cover first time out. 
because they're spending the money with the top designers and having it well vetted. In fact, uh, we had this happen over at the agency the other day. There was a cover ready to go. They took it out into the sales channels. And I'm, we're talking the Costco's, Walmart's, Target, places like that that Indies can't get to. And the response was, we like the title. We like the concept. We'll carry the book if you change the cover. This was after the publisher had already done all the work, thought they had a great cover. The gatekeepers actually said, change it. And they did. And they had a winner on their hands. But for some reason, for whatever was going on in the you know corporate mindset in that room, they got the wrong image. Whereas the new image worked very, very, very well. So this this can happen, um, but the indie has that control. Let's go on to the next question because it's related. Um, we can keep exploring this. Uh, how does a launch differ between a book that is traditionally published and one that is self-published? So which is easier, which is different? Um, so the, the process a little bit longer. Normally, indie authors can't wait as long as traditional authors are forced to wait. So um, indie authors end up rushing themselves. Uh, it's very uncommon for me to see an indie author who gives themselves enough time to really do the launch justice. Um, and so, you know, some people are like, oh, this course is so stressful. It's like, it's only stressful because you put your launch date 60 days from now. <laughs> Give yourself some more breathing room to do the work. You won't be quite right. so stressed. Um, so that's that's one way that it's different. The data is different. Um, you know, like Steve was talking about, you, uh, you're you not going to be in Costco if you're independently published. And if Costco says change the cover, change the cover. <laughs> well, I, in fact, there <clears throat> One of my clients might even be on this show right now or watching the re, the re, uh, replay, but signed her book contract uh, two months ago, I think, three months ago, has finished the manuscript. The book will not be out until spring of 2022. This is the perfect time for her to be taking this course because she can put her pieces together start thinking about what she can do versus what her publisher can do, find out those kinds of things so that when the spring launch comes for her first book, nonfiction, she'll be better uh, better suited for that. Uh, and right there is an example of lead time. That's almost 18 months from the time, you know, a proposal was created and put in front of a publisher to when the book actually comes out. And that's not uncommon. Uh, there's some people asking in the chat what we mean by indie author. Indie author and self-published author, um, it's the same, same concept. Thing. It's, it uh, tells you how biased someone is against uh, self-publishing. <laughs> so if someone is negative on self-publishing, they'll use self-publishing. And if they're positive on self-publishing, they use the term indie publishing. So the terms well, don't tell you anything about the topic. They tell you about the speaker. <laughs> and within that umbrella, you have two. there's multiple ways to independently or self-publish. You can use a packaging company like... Redemption Press, which is they're very good people, good do do good work, or you can use BookBaby.com, or or you can do everything yourself, where you pick the designer, you do everything, you don't, and you do all the typesetting yourself. That's completely independent of any outside. But so there's this range. I mean, even in our uh, little our little fun little book. Oh, great book! Yeah, very good. 
There we go. Come on, Thomas, get your act together. <laughs> Here, Here we go. go. Here we go. Uh, sorry, Jim. We leave you out. Uh, but there's se- <laughs> there's 70 pages of freelancers and editors and packagers. And there's an entire section for the independently published people. Of So you go out and find the right partner for you. That's the difference. Anybody can publish. It's like the, uh, the movie Ratatouille. Anyone can cook. But some people need to learn how to do it well or hire the right kind of person. Hey, I could replace the sink in my our house's bathroom, but I shouldn't. I can't. I couldn't watch enough YouTube videos on how <laughs> to do it to do it right. So I hire someone who knows what they're doing. They come in, they do it right. They don't blow up the house and create an entire mess. It's worth it to hire the professional. We're, we're almost out of time, but I want to answer a couple oh questions real quick. <laughs> um, and and uh, Thomas, Thomas, can I ask, can I answer a question in the chat, which I think is important? So Annalise is asking, do you do this course more than once a year? We don't. Um, it takes a lot of time and energy and Thomas and I absolutely love pouring into people, but once a year is, <laughs> is enough. So if you want to sign up, if anybody wants to sign up, I'd encourage you to hit the uh, green button right down there now and, and register. Yeah, the, the big difference between this course and, say, a course on the Christian Writers Institute is that this course, the real benefit is that you're doing it with a group all at the same time. Now, that's and also it's 30 downside. days. And it's, it's 30 yeah, days. In 30 days. That's right. So right. Um, the, we, the term in the industry is a cohort model, and we act like it's some new thing that was invented, although universities. Someone's uh, asked when. This a long time. Oh, yeah, we should probably say that. <laughs> it starts on <laughs> uh, a registration closes April 9. And the first day is April 12th, the Monday of April 12th, or maybe April 13th, whatever. It's right around that time. Uh, it's the 12th. 12th. That's, okay. That's the 12th, yeah. So first day is April 12th. Registration ends that uh, Friday midnight. So we have time to make sure everybody's signed up and, and, and cleared. And we have found that it is so much easier and more fun doing it with a group of people. But it's also more expe- like it's more work. It's not self-paced. So Christian Writers Institute course, if you want to go through it in a day, you can go through it in a day. If you want to take a year, you can do a year. You could do this self-paced, but but really the real value is marching with the rest of the troops. That drum keeps you, uh, press, pushes you to go farther than you think that you can. And it's it's like NaNoWriMo. It's, you go through that together with a group of people cheering you on. There's a difference than trying to write 50,000 words in a month on your own. And, and that energy and what we've found is the community that forms. And Thomas, and every year we say we can't promise a community is going to form, but pretty good, pretty good odds that there's going to be this community of people around you, encouraging you, believing you, commenting on what you're building that just makes all the difference. When I was in Boy Scouts, we went on a uh, high adventure hike. So it's a week of hiking. We are much closer at the end of that week because we suffered together. And there'll be a little bit of suffering together. This this isn't a, a vacation. This is work. And uh, things that are worth doing are worth working hard for. And you worked hard to write your book. And so your book deserves for you to work equally hard for you uh, to launch your book. And it is a lot of fun to do it with a group of people. But yeah, that's the downside, right? A Christian Writers Institute course, you can sign up for at any time, which is great. Uh, it's, it's why it's such a valuable resource. And you can strategically do it. If you're like, man, I'm having problems with showing versus telling. Guess what? There's a Christian Writers Institute course specifically for that problem. You can sign mm-hmm. up for, right? You Question. get feedback from the editor. You're telling too much. 
Go, you can take it like medicine. You can go to the Christian you, Horizons. Yeah, you can listen to it. Cost you ten dollars, six dollars. Hour later, you've got the general idea and the questions answered. That's right. Is there another good question that you want to have here? All right, I'm going to skip the ones we've kind of already answered. A lot of questions on launch teams. If you're having this many questions on launch teams, go through the course. Uh, we spend a lot of time on launch teams. All right. Um, can you tell us about marketing directly to libraries? Um, libraries aren't really a part of your launch strategy. If you're traditionally published, your no. publisher is going to be making those introductions. You're not creating a frenzy to get librarians excited about your book. I hear it is possible to get librarians excited. I do not know how to do that, and that's what we're covering. The, the, uh, the <clears throat> most effective way is if you can get a, a review in the library journal or school library journal. That's one thing we work at at Enclave. We have we create ARCs, advanced reader copies. We put them in the hands of those reviewers, those specific reviewers, and we have a couple that are sympathetic to us, and uh, we'll get uh, get them in. When that happens, we get library sales, and there's a couple companies that specifically sell to libraries, and we actually see the sales happen uh, in real time when we see our monthly sales reports. Oh, look, Brodart bought X number of copies of that book. That means that many libraries just ordered it. The one thing about libraries, it's the largest book chain in America. They just only buy one book at a time. <laughs> <laughs> but when it comes to eBooks and all of that, I, you know, people say, oh, you don't want to go to libraries and people never buy your book again. I'm, I disagree. People will go to a library, get a free read, and then they find an author they love. It's a place where people can experiment with the author they've never heard of. It's just getting in. Um, if you're ebook, use draft to digital or something similar and sign up within that to have them put your book on Overdrive. Overdrive is the software that every library in the country uses to have people check out their books. And if the library buys a copy, then it's in the library system for that entire city. Yeah. A couple of questions in the chat. Somebody's asking is, um, do you get full access with the 12-month plan? Yes, you do. Uh, the only issue <clears throat> with the 12-month plan is that if you stop paying during the 12 months, you don't get lifetime access. <laughs> so you do have to pay uh, for the course uh, to get lifetime access. But assu assuming that you do all 12 payments, you get lifetime access to the course, all the future payments. There's some questions about how many people a year before last, I think we had 40 students go through the course. Um, the year after that, we had 120 to 150, but that was special. Everyone was in lockdown right when we started the course. And so we had a lot of people sign up. Uh, currently, I want to say we have 10 or 15 people sign up so far. So I'm expecting potentially less than last year. Um, we don't have a, an upper limit on the course on our um, uh, office hours last time, even though we had 120 people, 150 people going through the course. We only had 20 to 50 people in the office hours at the beginning. And then as people got their questions answered, they dropped off. And I stuck around until every question was answered. Uh, and we had a lot of people who stuck around <laughs> until every question was answered because uh, they were lurking because uh, they just wanted to hear the answers. But uh, it's it's a smaller group. It's not thousands and thousands. We uh, And if you're really participating, we really do uh, get to know you. Okay. I just want to tell you guys, I know Thomas and Jim, and I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be participating in this if I didn't think this was an important 
investment. And one way to look at this, guys, is so some of you who are thinking about a writing career, whether it's traditional or independent, I hope you have more than one book in you. And this right. kind of work and this kind of um, education will serve you forever. Yeah, the technology changes. Yes, certain other things change. And the way they're selling it is that there's lifetime access, which means, you know, if in five years there's something called gobbledygook and not Facebook, well, you will have figured out how to use gobbledygook <laughs> and they will have figured it out for you. And uh, I, I'm being facetious, but that's the point is the if you're investing in this, here's another way of looking at it. <laughs> You think, oh, I, you know, I'm a nobody or I can't get my book launched or I, I, I hear this all the time. And I say, well, so everybody has to start somewhere. Everybody was an unpublished author who's a famous author at some point. They had to start somewhere. And each element, each increment gets you better and better. And the next thing you know, you're teaching the courses, Jim. Uh, yes. I mean, it, 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 you could not have done this 20 years ago. No. You wouldn't have known what you were talking about. Thomas might have, but you wouldn't have. No, 2006. <laughs> I was I was so wet behind the ears in 2006. It was, you know, I was swimming. And, exactly. And, and, and even myself. I've been in this business for 40 years, and I still learn something yeah. nearly every day. There was a news thing that came across my desk this morning. I went, oh, I didn't know that. That's interesting, huh? And there was a new software that was discussed on a on a what was on the Christian Publishing Show on Tuesday that Thomas did, and I'm listening to this and I'm going, oh, I didn't know that existed. Well, that's really cool, you know. And I sign up so that I can be aware of it and and follow what's going on. You're always learning in this business, and yeah. this is not a one shot thing. Now, granted, you might only have one book, and that's fine too. Um, but there, and there's no, no shame and no harm in that. But I think most authors have the idea that they're going to write many books over time. If you would like to sign up for the book launch blueprint, you can do that at booklaunch.fun or check the show notes for a link. Thank you for listening and live long and prosper. Thank you for listening to the Christian Publishing Show. For more information and to get episodes delivered to your phone automatically, visit christianpublishingshow.com.